Teenage girls in the care of the state are being targeted and sexually exploited by coordinated gangs of predatory men. That's the findings of a new study by UCD researchers. These vulnerable girls have been placed in residential group homes for their own safety. But staff say they are powerless to stop this abuse happening. And the Garda say the force has a limited understanding of this type of sexual exploitation. Irish Times reporter Jack Power has read the disturbing report. So I cover this area quite a bit in terms of reporting on Tusla, reporting on child abuse issues, um, issues related to, to social care and social policy. I have to say this, this study has been one of the most harrowing documents I've read in, in quite a while. This study raises serious questions for Tusla in terms of how it's keeping the most vulnerable teenagers and girls in the care of the state safe and if it is doing so. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, how girls in state care are being sexually exploited by gangs of men. Jack, a study by UCD's School of Social Policy into abuse and sexual exploitation of children in residential state care was published yesterday with some harrowing findings. What did the study reveal? Yes, so this study looked at effectively groups of older men who were exploiting young teenage girls who are living in state care, predominantly in, as you say, residential group homes, which usually house up to six children in, in, um, in state care. Often they're kind of teenagers, older teenagers, probably the most vulnerable um, children and teenagers in, in the country. And this study found that they were effectively being preyed upon by, in some cases, organised or coordinated kind of networks of of older men who would groom and coerce these young girls to leave their accommodation and either be picked up in a car or by taxis. And they were then taken to other locations such as hotel rooms or an apartment, often under the guise that a party was taking place or something to that effect. Um, And then the men grooming them um, would effectively induce them to um, carry out sexual acts with, with them and other older men um, in, in return so, for, in some cases, in return for, um, you know, classic kind of grooming techniques of new jewellery, new clothes, and um, that supply them with drugs, that supply them with alcohol, um, or in some cases, just the affection of an older man in his twenties or thirties who the young girl had been groomed to believe was her boyfriend, um, but who in reality was was exploiting her and, and abusing her. Like you can just imagine how a teenage girl who's 14 or 13 or 15 living in residential care um, she's been taken from her family home potentially when she was young um, she might have come in from a, a place of extreme poverty or trauma potentially child abuse or um, addiction mental health challenges we know these kids are moved from placement to placement they might have had foster care placements that have broken down or several that have broken down and that's why they've ended up in residential care we know a lot of these residential care centres have a high turnover of staff, new faces, difficult to build rapport with um, the staff members you see every day. So you can very easily imagine how somebody, an older figure, a man in his 20s who's bringing this young girl gifts or even just showing them attention could very, very easily get to a position where they can manipulate and coerce this, these poor, vulnerable girls into doing whatever they say. So UCD did this research. Why? Like, how do they have a sense that this was going on? Yeah, so this has been something that I've also kind of been hearing 
kind of rumours and whispers of over, I'd say, the last two years or so um, around um, people who work with children in care and people who work for Tusla in in kind of social work. So increasingly, this has kind of been something that's been on the radar of people in that kind of sector. But this was the first scoping study of its kind into the issue to talk to. It interviewed, I think, 21 um, professionals and staff who worked with children in care to talk to them, to try get a sense of, is this happening? Um, what sense do they have of how it's happening? Uh, how kind of prevalent is it? So that's really where this study arose out of. Now, there are about five and a half thousand children in state care, and they're there obviously for a variety of reasons. And 400 of these live in group homes. These homes could be in, in su- suburbs, residential settings, small homes. All the children are obviously vulnerable and like not least because they're, you know, they're just that, they're children and they're in these homes for their own safety. So can we discuss a bit the role of the homes in this? Um, the staff in, in, in this report, they they thought that this was a case of organised exploitation by groups of predatory men. How are these men getting access to these children who are supposed to be in this safe, secure environment? Yeah, so it comes through in the report and separately myself speaking to people who work in this sector that there's a sense these kind of predators effectively come to know where these residential homes are and kind of come to effectively kind of target them. Um, Like a lot of them could be concentrated kind of in in Dublin or around Dublin, similarly to sometimes house children in, in hotels as emergency placements. And the study really said that these kind of men who... um as we said, are kind of using sophisticated grooming techniques to try and befriend these young, vulnerable girls. And the study also references, you know, social media and smartphones as an effective window into kind of constant access of of offending to try groom groom these girls. And then they'll they'll induce them to say, I'll I'll pick you up at at one o'clock outside your home and we'll we'll head off somewhere and then the girl might only return two days later and there was some really like really really harrowing um insights from from staff members and professionals who said I recall one case where there was a girl um who was seeking to leave um the accommodation and you know to to don't have powers to prevent her uh, leaving the home they can't lock her in they can't lock her in there's a very small number of cases where they're called secure special care units where children can be detained but you have to seek a high court order for that those are the real extreme cases and in some cases those orders have been sought for fear that girls are being sexually exploited but in the majority of these residential homes you know two can't you know lock these um girls or boys in their rooms and so staff were pleading with, with one girl in one case, you know, not to go out and get into the car of this man who, who staff, you know, believed what, what cause was, was exploiting her, um, you know, kind of sexually. Now, one worker described it as just being at the tip of an iceberg and that they believed the problem was more widespread. And I suppose... You're saying the same because these workers are also presumably talking to other workers in other care homes. They're talking to other people in the sector that they work. Similar to you, do you believe it's it's much more widespread? Yeah, and I suppose actually recently, um, in late late last year, I think in December, the Irish Times, uh, we published a story following uh, several months of investigation from myself that um, stated that there was an investigation by authorities into one alleged abuse ring, as it was described to me, where similar to the 
I suppose, um, modus operandi described in this study where a group of girls were being targeted by a group of older men and they were being enticed and coerced to come to hotel rooms, being taxied to hotel rooms in in Dublin um, under the guise that a party was taking place there. Um, When they arrived then, they'd be given alcohol and drugs and gifts um, and would effectively be sexually abused by by the older men um, in, in those hotel rooms. And so we reported last December that um, Tusla and the Gardaí were separately investigating this. And, and that instance related to, um, I think it became, it, Tusla became aware of that incident um, or group of incidents in the second half of 2020. So this has been on kind of the radar um, of Tusla. It, it certainly hasn't been on the kind of the public's radar. Um, but the study actually referenced our reporting last December um, revealing this, that th- this was going on in, in one instance um, and said it's finding supported the Irish Times reporting. But as you say, they, they, it went much wider, not just one alleged ring of men targeting girls, but several different groups and, and, and many, many different um, young girls kind of targeted in this way. Now, it's not just girls that are being targeted. And look, everything about this report is harrowing. But the report details a case of a young boy with learning dis- difficulties who was targeted by predatory men. Yeah, this is one of the more shocking anecdotes and case studies that was in the report that this young boy who, uh, as you said, had learning difficulties was um, seemed to be kind of leaving the his accommodation um, and then returning with different gifts like a new phone, um, credit, other things like that. And one staff member who... Um, had recently, he said, been to a conference in Belfast that actually discussed the issue of exploitation, recognised this and kind of raised a, a red flag to say, I've concerned that this this um, this teenage boy is, is being groomed by, by older men and, and sexually exploited. And he actually described in the report how there was resistance to moving the boy from the home uh, un- under the belief of another staff member that moving him from his home would be disruptive. So that really speaks to, I suppose, and the report said this as well, a lack of training and real in-depth understanding of the mechanisms of grooming, exploitation and coercion um, you know, in, in what is the state's you know, child protection agency. Yeah, now we'll get on to that because... The workers in these group homes, uh, they told the researchers all this and I'm sure they also told their bosses in Tusla because that's the child and family agency that runs these homes. What has been Tusla's response to this? Yeah, so Tusla were presented with the findings of the report by the researchers um, and the response, which was included also in the study, um, really said that I think they described it as, as sobering, um, the, the findings, but, but not surprising. Um, as I said, this has kind of been increasingly on Tusla's radar. And Tusla said effectively that they admitted that they they had failed uh, to protect children in, in certain cases. And one of the problems they said they had was that there's a, there's a severe lack of these residential homes, lack of accommodation and a lack of staff and social workers to to man them because they they require a kind of a high a high number of staff to to run these homes, you know, kind of twenty four seven. So there's a real crisis in the state's residential services for children in care. And that means, for example, if a young girl is being groomed and targeted in one home where, you know, potentially a group of men know who she is, know she's vulnerable, have started to groom her. If there's a shortage of spaces across the system, 
Tusla or whoever's running the home, you know, sometimes these are run by private companies contracted by Tusla. There's no space elsewhere to move her out of that home in an attempt to, I suppose you'd say, disrupt this the cycle of, of grooming or exploitation. And that really means that they're being left at increasing risk in the homes where where Tusla and staff know that they're more vulnerable to exploitation. Now, you, you, in the course of your work, you've had occasion very, very many times to get a response from Tusla to various issues that come up. I mean, do you find that's good enough, though? It's as if they're not taking responsibility for the actual things that are happening right now. They're saying it's part of a, a broader, you know, lack of resources. Yeah, and one other thing that the Tusla have done as I mentioned, um, which was in response to that um, alleged abuse ring that we reported on previously, um, which came to their attention, I think, in late 2020. On foot of that, Tusla and the guards sat down to try and redraft their policy for how they recognise child exploitation. So on foot of that, they brought in, I think, new um, new reporting mechanisms where cases rather than being reported as a case of um, a child welfare issue or a child abuse issue there'd be a specific reporting tool for suspected child exploitation and that was rolled out I think at the start of 2021 along with training but I think I suppose what this study shows is that that obviously hasn't bedded down as much and as I said it it is on the radar of um, as I said speaking to sources in Tusla they say it's increasingly on their radar, but it being on the state's radar is one thing. There being the resources and the the understanding and the training to recognise it and deal with it and respond to it is is another thing. So what does the study say about the hotels that these predators were using? Because this is really shocking vista of these men bringing these very young girls into hotels to sexually abuse them. What does it say about that? Yeah, one interesting point in the study in reference to, as you said, the hotels where a lot of this exploitation is is happening is that staff and professionals of of organisations working with children in care, they said that they'd been hearing kind of anecdotally that hoteliers were becoming a little bit more aware of this and a lot more concerned that, that this was potentially going on. And there was actually one line that quite stood out. It said that in some cases, hotel staff, um, anecdotally, it seemed were afraid to report concerns or suspicions to Gardaí, you know, for fear that a guard car would, would pull up outside with the flashing blue lights and there'd be this incident in the hotel and it would affect the hotel's reputation. Um, so I think that that also speaks to, you know, something that it, it, it's not solely the, the job of Tusla in terms of child protection. Other companies, other organisations and the public, um, you know, in, in general in the community have a responsibility to, to child protection. Um, and, and that's certainly something that, that came true in this report. Now, the Garda National Protective Services Bureau, it has accepted that there is limited training for frontline Garda in this area of exploitation. Now, it's one thing, accepting that there is limited training. Do you get a sense that there's anything happening with that? Yeah, so in terms of the Protective Services Bureau, for, for people who wouldn't know, it's kind of the unit of the, the Garda that, that deals with uh, sexual crimes, basically. Um, and one period of... one period of reform that they've undergone is divisional protective services units are kind of being rolled out across the country and you know from speaking to people who deal with those guards they're always very very well highly regarded in terms of dealing with um, instances of sexual assault sexual abuse child abuse but that's one kind of side of it the other side is 
the ordinary um, guard patrolling the street or who might be the first responder to an incident or who might be the person who responds to a report that a young girl has gone missing from a Tusa residential home and, and locates her and brings her back. It's one thing for our the specialist guardy in the protective services units to have training to recognise this. What probably needs to happen, as this report says, is that all guardy, right down to the, the guardy patrolling the streets, um, you know, in guard stations across the country, really need to be better at recognising the kind of the signs of sexual exploitation, recognising why that, and that how. That it's not a girl who's just run away for the night. Yeah, and this report also, it, it kind of said there was an element of victim blaming in some of this, even from staff working in, in child protective services that th- there was a kind of a, a, still a failure to understand the what goes on behind or before a girl agreeing to get into a car or a taxi and go to a hotel room to go to a party with her, you know, quote-unquote boyfriend. Like, there's a very sophisticated and at times lengthy grooming process that might have started with, you know, somebody befriending them on, on Snapchat or somebody buying some alcohol for them or giving them some cigarettes that then, after a period, escalates to incredibly sophisticated coercion and exploitation. Jack, the most well-known cases, I think, uh, of girls being sexually exploited by organised gangs uh, was in two towns in the north of England, Rochdale and Rotherham, where hundreds of young girls were savagely sexually exploited by gangs, organised gangs of older men. And that, that went on for, you know, more than two decades. The researchers name those two towns in the report. And they say that it's hard not to draw parallels with what's happening here, with what happened there. What do they mean? Yeah, so what the study was referring to there was really the authorities' response to cases. So when they were referring to almost a sense that um, Gardaí in some instances were tired of responding to reports that um, girls were going missing from residential care homes. Um, and those instances, you know, Tuesday will make a report to the Gardaí that, that someone has gone missing or absconded. Um, the Gardaí will then try to locate them and bring them back to the, the centre. Um, and the study said, yeah, there was a sense of fatigue almost um, in in how Gardaí were responding to this um, and how the authorities in general were responding to this issue, um, which which, as uh, the study said, kind of linked to parallels to those cases in the UK um, where there was, you know, well, well-founded failings in how authorities responded in, the, in those cases significantly for years um, to the exploitation in, in the UK. That happened in the UK. We now know it's happening here. But we also know, I suppose, that this issue is worldwide, that, you know, wherever, in fact, young, vulnerable children are put in groups home in group homes for their own care because of their the complex needs um and it's very difficult to protect them like in april there was a similar study to this irish one it was uh, from the university of melbourne and it found widespread sexual abuse of teenage girls in care and said that children in care could be so easily exploited by older men because the men would entice them with drugs um usually cannabis very easily to to get them to come out of the the group homes to meet with them and so on. And in Australia, there's various initiatives. There's one which I think think sounds interesting. It's called DICE. It's Disrupting Child Sexual Exploitation. It's a project. 
And that Melbourne University study, it recommends what police can do, you know, how the care services model can be changed. Are there any recommendations in this study? Yeah, I suppose the main recommendation of this study is really actually that, that more work needs to go into investigating what's going on here. Um, the researchers cite that they have grave concern for the safety of young people in state care as a result, as a result of this. Um, and they're calling for the Health Information and Quality Authority, HICWA, who's kind of the healthcare services watchdog, who also inspects TUSLA services. They're calling for HICWA to conduct an immediate investigation into the issue of organised exploitation. And they also call for more in-depth research. Um, as I said, this is a scoping study, an initial piece of work. The researchers said they'd like to see a more prevalent study, which is kind of a much more in-depth look at uh, hard data and figures of exactly how prevalent this is. Um, and on foot of that, I suppose, um, they'd hope for, you know, kind of serious reform in and wake up even still, in how Tusla and the Gardaí respond to this issue and, and really get to, get to grips with this issue. That's it for today. For more reporting from Jack Power, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.